When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Ironcast and Ginger, our guest this week. I'm just, I just love seeing him. I've got so many positive <laughs> memories of this man. I'd say one of the most loved players to ever play for, to have played for West Ham, Dean Ashton. Welcome, Dean. That's, that's very kind, very uh, kind. Do you not feel that love like though, no? I don't know. I mean, it just, it felt like such a short period, but I, I suppose I did pack a lot in. And you're right, the way I'm treated by supporters is very very special actually considering it's it's still so long ago or feels so long ago yeah you're a favoured son of East London I remember that when you scored a, against in Mark, against West Ham in Mark Noble's uh, testimonial everyone was like yes and then the fact it was an outrageous goal <laughs> one of the best goals I think <laughs> one, of the, one of the best goals you scored but... <laughs> In many respects, your best West Ham memory came years after you'd yeah. finished playing. Oh, well, the amount of fans that actually want to talk about that, and I'm like, I did have a <laughs> proper career. I actually played, I actually played uh, level. professionally, yeah, yeah. by the way. I wasn't, you know, three and a half stone overweight when I played. I look better than this, but they all, all they want to do <laughs> is talk about that goal. But it was special. That was a special goal, yeah. Um, the teams you two played in, I'd say West Ham fans just love and just sitting, it's such a privilege as a fan to sit here and be around you two. And I just wanted to, the first story you started talking about, Sweden pre-season. I said, stop. <laughs> Let's open with that. Let's save it for the pod. Who wants to set the scene? I'll, I'll, let, Dino, I'll let Dino crack on with that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad I mentioned it now. <laughs> um, well, well, obviously off the back of the FA Cup final and the high of that season and the quality that we'd shown, you know, you you go into pre-season. With this a, is summer with a, 2006. After yeah, the this, Cup, after, after the, the FA Cup, Cup final, final yeah. you're going into the pre-season wanting to, you know, do everything right and prepare right and look towards the, the start of the season. And But the great thing about Pards and the reason why I loved him so much as a manager was that, yes, there was the seriousness of the training, but there was also, mm. we're a group, we want to have a good time. There should be um, a difference between the seriousness of playing, the camaraderie and the friendships that you build off the pitch that are so important. So why not have a beer festival right outside the hotel? <laughs> Why not? That, do you think that was planned? Or do you think Pars turned up and went, oh no? I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so yeah, I sort of was going, ooh, this is, this <laughs> this is slightly different. different. <laughs> so how did the training work with the beer festival outside the hotel? Now, we were ultimate professionals, as you can imagine. <laughs> no Trained chance. hard. Yeah. Worked hard. Properly you know, worked on time hard, every hard. morning. Yeah. Um, uh, it it was, was, yeah, as Dino says, it was, an, it was a new one on me. I'd never... And I, do, I generally don't think it was planned. We haven't gone there because, you know, we have gone to, to train pre-season, get fit. But just so happened, there was about 10,000 people outside our hotel every day as we come home on training at a beer festival. So, yeah, interesting. I think it, I'd love to think that, that, that Pardew, if, if a few of the players didn't ever turn up so that beer festival would be a little bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you? So was it? Was it sanctioned? You could go and have a have a beer in the festival. Well, or? normally, normally pre season, if you're away, certainly in my latter 
stages of my career, it'd be work hard for the week, two weeks, whatever you're away. And then last night, yeah. all managers probably, I'm not so much sure now, would let you let a bit of steam off, go out on the last night. But um, this particular occasion, I'm, I'm not sure it was just the last <laughs> night that a few of the boys were... We're frequenting the uh, frequenting the beer festival. <laughs> um, do you know what they were saying? I just think that's what kind of made those teams mm, that you definitely. were in, like the camaraderie, the fact that you would work hard, but you can sneak off. You know, you're socialising with each other, and and it it does seem very strange now that that would even that that would happen. But I know it's 15, 16 years ago, but it was very different then than it is yeah. than it is than it is now. There was a big part of that that you had to have that side of of getting to know new new signings that had just joined in the summer. What better way? And, <laughs> and, and but but also have an enjoyment. Maybe have a, a night or two that you get rewarded for the hard work that you mm. that you're putting in. I think that's yeah. why that dressing room was so good, though. Mm. Like it was an unbelievable dressing room. Yeah, it was, Some of the yeah. boys we had characters in there. We had boys who would you know would push you in training but we also add the other side as Dino says a great friendship really wasn't it mm. I suppose I thought there wasn't you, you hear squads that people don't get on sometimes and it does happen in football in that squad around that time everyone it was it was, used to love coming to training it was like doing the best job in the world with your best mates it oh. was it was just brilliant mm. it was unbelievable time yeah Dino you joined uh, West Ham January 2006 and I was saying that like, you packed so much into that first six months that first I mean your debut is a way to Arsenal beating them 3-2. Like well, the last uh, uh, defeat handed to Arsenal at uh, Highbury Stadium. I mean, so much, so many memories packed in. Did you what? start that game, Dino? No. Arsenal? No, no. Well, I... was That That was the game that Saul Campbell got dragged off yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Well, I remember Bobby starting. Yeah, I, it was... Um, I, I'd signed, I think, just the week before and yeah. I was unveiled in the Fulham game. Fulham game, which is Thomas Ripka's last, last Exactly, night. and there was two ridiculous goals. Anton's volley oh, and yeah. Ben chopped about 14 Dink. times and then yeah. dinked. And I was thinking, wow, <laughs> what have I come <laughs> to here? And then, obviously, I sit on the bench at, at Highbury and watch that first half mm. performance where Bobby was outstanding, mm. Nigel was ridiculous yeah. in midfield, uh, Matty Everton Matty. was brilliant on the left. The whole team, to be fair, I mean... Gab's um, up against Thierry mm. and just thinking he could outrun him. Not a chance. Gab yeah. was, had stupid pace Ridiculous, in the bag it? if he needed it. <laughs> I was just like, wow, I ain't going to play. <laughs> this is a brilliant team I've joined. But it's such a confident team. Such a confident team I've joined in terms of the characters. Yeah. But the role that, that they were on with, with Pardew at the helm, it, it was just it was brilliant. Yeah. Do you remember that night against Hi uh, Arsenal at Highbury? I do because I've sat in the stand. <laughs> Another one where Pards did, he, he made me travel, but wasn't in the squad. So I do remember it very well, actually. Um, I remember the, only, the, the biggest thing I remember, for, like I just mentioned, is Bobby Zamora absolutely ripping Saul Campbell to pieces. Mm. And there was a rumor about it at the time Saul got dragged at half time and got a cab home. Yeah. He didn't even, he, he, he left. I'm not sure that's a rumor. I think that's true. I think he left, left the, the stadium. stadium. So yeah, it was just, it, again, one of those times where we were confident squad. Just signed Dino, signing good, good, you know, top, top players. We, we'd we go anywhere and, and, and try and win the game. And and that night, it was unbelievable. Did we go 3-1 up? And then, I can't remember the actual the way the scoring went that night. Yeah, I think, but yeah. I, I remember yeah, it yeah, being... I think they did. And then they got late. Probably, and they got a late, 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 late goal. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was the sort of... That's what we were doing back then. We were going to places, no fear. 
and going to win the game, and we did. And, and Dino, Dino's mentioned it: Thierry Henry, Saul Campbell, Robbie. It was a they, that Arsenal team at the time was an absolute joke. Mm. <laughs> so we went there and, and steamrolled them, and that's what that's what we were. Doing. That's the confidence we had. I think in many respects that debut of yours is the classic past performance. It's rock and roll mm. football, like taking on the best, not caring. When Dino, when you walk into that dressing room, do you remember who stuck out to you as the big characters? Do you remember? <laughs> who didn't? Um, <laughs> the list is small to say who wasn't a character. I mean, then. Bobby was hilarious, yeah. and and Anton was great. Ginge, great character you had, but then you had like experience, like Teddy. Yeah, I was like Christian Daly. Christian, I was in yeah. awe of Teddy. You know, like growing I think up everyone and, was, yeah. and and watching him play and trying to, you know make my game as, as close to his as possible, then get to watch him. And uh, that was one of Pards' good lines that you had Teddy sharing him to mentor you when he was trying to sign me. And I was like, can you remember Ted in training when the ball wasn't like perfectly to his feet? Not perfectly, but if you, if you sent Ted in, this is the standards of Ted. If the ball was sort of like, you know, he's holding the ball up. If it was sort of bobbled in or it was, you know, two foot either side, it wasn't a great pass. He just wouldn't bother going for it. <laughs> Just go, well, that's not good enough. And it was just a bit like, oh, okay, this is sort of the level I'm at, Ted. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I might not be quite at your level, but that's my normal passing. Sorry. But uh, yeah, you know, having Ted in there, Christian Daly, there was, there was Niger, a few. Niger Okoko, I mean, yeah. very young captain, captain, but very much, very much the captain. Yeah. What um, was Niger Okoko like? I've met him plenty of times since, and uh, he's not at all like I imagined. And I wondered, because he's imagine? quite, I don't know, because he's quite outgoing and he's quite funny mm. now and he's quite chatty. And when I would watch West Ham play back in your era, he's very serious. And I couldn't imagine he was a massive laugh to be around. No, he he, he was. He was mm. both. That's what was so good about it. He was very funny, mm. great with the lads, sort of that modern player at the time. As as I felt the game was, was changing, he was very much part of that. But then very serious, mm. you know, very serious about training, very serious about the build-ups of the game, day of the game. Confident, wasn't he? Yeah, as very. In, in his very, own ability as a player. But for someone so young, yeah. not afraid he must to have say been 20, to one of the, maybe. was he twenty? You know, yeah, he was nineteen in the FA Cup final. He was the youngest really? ever captain in an FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah, and wasn't afraid to say to any of the senior players if he felt he had something to say, he would no, even he say did, it. Yeah. And wow. I was like, I wouldn't. Because he was, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I think he was on the he was on the brink of the England. There was talk of him getting in the England squad yeah. at that sort of time. He was he, he was he was brilliant at the time. Yeah, really yeah. good. T tell me about getting mentored by Teddy Sheringham. Was there any pieces of advice that he gave you that really stuck with you? He was saying that you don't have to run for the sake of running. And that, that sounds brilliant to me because I didn't want to run. <laughs> Perfect. But, but what, it, what he meant, and when I watched him in training, what, was that you don't necessarily have to make a darting run, whether it was near post or far post. It could be that you held the position. It could be that you just, rather than making that darting run, it was just a movement to the right or a movement to the left as the defender moves. He was so good at that. When you mm. think of the athletes um, and the defenders that we had in that squad in training, they struggled to get near him and he always seemed to just have this little bit of space. Always had time, didn't because he? Because of his awareness. When the cross was then in, he was free and his finishing was just like, like that. It was just so crisp and yeah, it was just, I took a lot from, from training and watching him train into my game and, and mm. brilliant. I, I've to, never, I didn't have I've to run never, as much. I've, <laughs> obviously the player, you know, world, world-class Ted. I've <clears> never <throat> trained or marked someone who stood, like you say, stood still so much, but you couldn't mark him. 
if that makes sense. Because as a defender, you naturally want to drop to the six-yard line, see if there's a cross coming in. Ted had just hold his position on the edge of the box. Mm. And he was a phenomenal header with the ball as well, wasn't he? So the ball had come in and he, he just always had that... Always had that time, always had that space. And he, he was he was great in the dressing room as well, obviously. You know, he's the age, I think he was 41 when but we you turned But you maybe. think of, he just was just lean, absolutely... Never used to do anything though. Never shredded. Shredded. Well, he used to come in, 100 sit-ups, yeah, 100 press-ups, out. Well, I seen, him, yeah. I seen him yesterday and I think he's still doing that, to be fair. He still looks incredible. Hello, yeah. And he won the golf day yesterday, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, do, do you know what, like, uh, in your time at West Ham, the FA Cup run looms large but you know West Ham draw Norwich in the third round and mm. you're at Norwich mm. but you're injured that day why why, 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 why did you well, do that is, is there shenanigans is there shenanigans what? going on there Were you, really, you, you, sound like Nor- you sound like a Norwich fan <laughs> Norwich <laughs> just, I looked at that and thought is that conspiracy what round was that third round third round yeah away to away at Carra Road third did round did I play don't know. I don't know. Yeah, don't probably know. not. <laughs> <laughs> probably travel yeah probably travel make the team uh, I um no, no, I would never, I honestly would never do that. I would never not play when there's a chance of, when yeah. there's a chance of playing. I, I just wouldn't. Not not when I was at that level. I'd spent enough time at Crew Alexandra and League One to, if there's a chance mm. of playing in the FA Cup against West Ham, I'm going to play. But I was genuinely. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> a shame. I, I was hoping a conspiracy <laughs> theory. Genuinely injured. Concerned. Well, look what a sliding doors <laughs> moment that would have been. Because if you'd have played that day... Yeah. What oh, wow, would, we, yeah. would West Ham even be in the FA Cup final? Um, the, yeah, it's, yeah it, it's mad when you look back on on how those things transpire. Because even if people believe that I wasn't fit when I was, you, you're not thinking, oh, well, I better miss this game because I want to get to the FA Cup final. You, no, you're not, not expecting it's that not anyway. Mind, so is it? it was just so fortunate the way why are you smiling no it is so it is so fortunate <laughs> you, think, mad, you think it? there's more to this story isn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can tell by your face I'm laughing at the lies like you almost believe them um, <laughs> um, it's uh, what's crazy about your career is I was just researching it last night is like you have that injury at 22 years old like that mm. summer in 2006 but you you make your league debut at 16 for crew i think yeah you pack so much football into the, the mm. between the ages of 16 and 22 it's absolutely crazy mm. how much stuff you did at such a young age yeah yeah i mean obviously fortunate to have come through an academy that gives young players a, an opportunity at crew which which was amazing but yeah when you say it like that and then i think about it i actually did have sort of a 9 year career which is probably about average i would say you know, I don't know the I don't know the facts, but it's probably about average. It's just that mine was from a very young age, and you maybe miss out on that um, the learning side of it, and then being at your peak, where you've got that experience as a as a top as a top pro at the top level is probably the main thing I I missed out on. But like you say, to have played the amount of games that I did considering when I got the injury was, um, yeah, I was quite fortunate yeah. in that do, sense. Do you remember much of your early days at Crew? 16, yeah, yeah. Coming to t- well, I, I was, we were speaking off air there. We, I was at Cardiff, similar sort of time, Div 2, Div 3 maybe. And I was young. I'd, I'd probably be the same age. I mean, mm. 1983. But um, I was just sort of getting into the Cardiff team and all the talk. I remember it, Dean Ashton at Crew, Dean Ashton at Crew. Do you remember learning a lot from your early days in, in the lower divisions playing for Crew? Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. That is, it's a mm. steep learning curve yeah. at that at that level with some of the defenders that you're up against. That You could still, they could probably still dish out way more than you can than you can now. But I think I was lucky because I was this size, not this size, but <laughs> <laughs> tall and, and, and quite a big unit when I was 16. Mm. So physically I could, I could cope with, 
with the demands. But I think I look back on the, that time and I sort of think I really did burst onto the scene and it felt very easy. Like I'd, I think I scored seven goals in in the, the league appearances that I made to, right towards the end of the season. And I thought, well, this is, this this is, is easy. quite easy and let it go to my head a little bit. And I certainly didn't look after myself the way I should have done. And I think, well, imagine if I had have been actually professional and eaten right and not gone out and is that I think not, I was. A, I think know. about this all the time, like myself as well. I, I, I think the same about myself. Is that not because you're, you're we were, I, I was 17, you were 16, because you're so young. I remember playing for Cardiff at 17, speaking to my mates in Newport and half wanting to do what they were doing, like going out and being a young lad at that age. But you've, you can't, you, you, you're being... You've got to be as professional as you can, but you've still got in the because you're so young in in the background. You still got your mates doing their doing their stuff as as teenagers. So it, it's a weird time, but you wouldn't change that though, do you know? Would you? The way, like as in you early, like the crew days like that, that you talked about there. As in, I can't imagine I you were super I, unprofessional. You just no, but I was just I didn't push myself. I didn't know what the limits could be for me. Physic. I'm just talking about physically. Yeah. I think technically. You know, I was so focused. The training I was getting was, was great. I felt like I was developing that side of it very quickly, but I missed out probably on a couple of years. I was probably at crew maybe a year or two longer than I should have been considering my talent, mm. but that was because physically I was just a mess because I didn't eat right. Mm. I drank too much on, on the weekends considering you had a game on a Tuesday. And so... I didn't have any shape to my physique and I wasn't as fit as I should have been. Mm. So you, those are the the small yeah. percentages that certainly Premier League managers are looking at. Out of possession, what are you like? They'll have heard about, you know, they do the homework on on what you like away from the away from the, the pitch and and those little things probably cost me maybe a couple of couple of years where I could have been at a higher level mm. because of that. Do you remember, like Ginch says there, do you remember being a bit of a marked man, like, oh, D-National crew one to watch? Oh, it was for sure. And was it, and was it a case that these kind of grizzled old Division Two defenders are kicking lumps out of you? Is it one of those? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but luckily, I did. I had a great strike partner at the time, Rob Hulse, who was mm. just nails. So <laughs> he would do most he would do most of that. And I actually, even though I was big and I learned to be physical, I didn't want to be. I wanted to be more of a Teddy Sheringham that came I like to get involved in the play. I didn't necessarily want to have to be physical. That was something I had to learn as I became sort of 18, 19, 20. I wasn't going to get away with not being with not being physical. So that's something I had to learn to be. I didn't have that in me necessarily, whereas Rob Pulse did and did most of that. Mm. when I played on, alongside him. I was a centre-forward <laughs> in the early days. He was, yeah. I was, did he? No, no. You still thought what you were. I, in, I in, tra in training every day, he thought he was a centre-forward. <laughs> what do you mean, thought? <laughs> I, I, I generally thought I could play for West Ham centre-forward, even though it's clearly I couldn't. I remember but later one of my scariest, sorry, interrupting, one of my scariest memories, I was 16 and it was a pre-season. I, I played up front for Cardiff against Weymouth in a pre-season friendly. Talking about like, big centre arse back in the day first goal kick came up I had long we'll probably talk about the Barnet stupid Barnet socks over my knees thought I was the boy first goal kick come up all I heard from behind was killer's ball <laughs> the centre half for Weymouth's nickname was killer and I thought oh no and he hit me with this elbow and I woke up about an hour after the game Oh, it's oh, one of, still one of the scariest things, scariest shouts I've ever heard on a football pitch killer's <laughs> ball and I've got to go up and challenge for this <laughs> horrendous 
All right, West Ham fans, one way you can support Ironcast and help us rocket up the charts and beat off the competition from other official football clubs' podcasts like Chelsea and like Spurs is to get a five-star rating or review from you. Support me and Ginger on the podcast, chuck us a five-star rating and review and help us rocket up the charts where West Ham belong, at the top of the table. Back on with the show. There's, I mean, so many great moments in that first six months, you know, like we touched on. But the first one that really sticks out for me in terms of your individual performance was Man City away in the quarterfinal of the Mm. FA Cup. Because you show the full gamut of what your ability is. Like, when I think about your, what kind of goals you score, it could be anything. You're good in the air. Your touch is unbelievable. You can dribble. You've got all the skills of a top, top class striker. And against that, against City... You demonstrate them all. In, even in that first goal you score that night, you win the header, intricate pass, amazing little bit of skill, and what a finish. What, a, what an advert for Dean Ashton. <laughs> yeah, that, that first goal especially. I think the technical side is, is that upbringing from crew in terms of so many of the players come through with that technical ability. But then I still can't believe I got a yard on distant, to be honest. <laughs> but that again, I, I guess that's just quick thinking and quick feet and improvising in the in the moment and then i think probably probably the biggest strength i had was the ability to hit it with both feet pretty much equally as powerful and as accurate and i think that definitely gave me an edge over a lot of players because i had that ability and with that strike you can see it's it's too powerful at the near post it's left even foot, for is someone it? yeah it is yeah. even for someone like david james because i had that ability in both in both feet yeah you can hit one that night was it 2-1 two, 2-1 one, two, one, was it yeah it's interesting like you're saying there because it's your ability to because you can hit with both feet you can take a shot faster than the goalkeeper's expect i think maybe that's what happens in that city you create a bit of space for yourself with that unbelievable unbelievable bit of skill but it's the quick fire left foot shot that goalkeeper's not necessarily well yeah expect. if i take one more touch distan is back and and the, and the chance is gone. So I knew I'm going to have to shift this and hit it as quick as I as quick. But you only do that if you're confident with both with both feet and being able to hit it in that sense. And I so, think if you take the extra touch as well, Jamo probably sets himself a little yeah, bit better. And that's, exactly. and that's what the best finishers do. They yeah. hit it so early and the keeper's got no chance. Your, your second goal in that game, I don't know if you remember that as well, but Nigel Rio Coca wins the ball in midfield out to Yossi Benayoun. Great bit of skill and it's crossed to go into the box for a simple tap in and the yeah. West Ham fans behind the goal go absolutely insane because they know we've made a semi-final for the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, it was incredible. Because of that, it was definitely going to be scored. Type of goal where as a forward, the other players that have created it get more of the plaudits. So I kind of tap it in, but have to then go and celebrate with them because they've made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. behind the, But behind the goal, yeah, scenes were, were amazing. And I think I didn't, I didn't think about the magnitude of that at the time. Like you say, I'm very young and just getting to know the club. So for me, it was just a great night to be part of a team. And when you, when you are a new signing, it's those kind of moments that are really important so that you get the sort of trust from your teammates that, yeah, you deserve to have your spot in the team and you're part of the team. Yeah. Do you know we won six of the first eight games you were involved in for West Ham? No, I didn't Drawing know the other two. Really? Yeah. Did you feel, did you, I mean, I don't want to say it's all down <laughs> to no, you. No, no, <laughs> he didn't even know that. He's laughing we, about it. We, I think sometimes a January signing can really lift a team. And I think that's exactly what happened with you. It gave us a whole new dimension. And Ginger, do you feel like it kicked everyone on a bit? Do you remember standards 
Well, it did, it did for sure. You sign someone at Dino's quality, it's going to give everyone a lift. But and, and obviously, the, the great lad he is coming into the dressing room, you know, like we say, Anton, Nigel, we had a, a, a great group of young lads. But to sign someone that we had seen scoring goals for Norwich, knowing he was a great lad and a, and a, and a top, top player, it gave everyone a lift. And, and I always say it, it's, it's, it's great to hear because when you're in the dressing room, every player we signed at that sort of time, even me and Gab's coming into that, it was just a great place to be. Great dressing room to go in. The football was great. The, the lads were great. Everyone at the club was great. And it was just a great time to be to be at West Ham. And we were signing players of Dino's quality, which which lifts the whole place. But also, also I mean, we obviously laughed about Ginge being in the stands for the Arsenal game. But you actually look at that squad and you couldn't not play well. Because no, yeah. there, was, there was, you know, in, in my position, there was me, Marlon, Teddy Sheringham, Bobby Zamora. Four places for two. You had to be at your best all the time. Same mm. with the centre-backs. I think we had four mm. centre-backs at the time that you had to be absolutely at peak performance. And that's what I realised straight away when I got there was I can't, I can't not, I can't not have a good game or else I'll be... That's probably why I was in I'll the stand out. half the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, one of the highlights of supporting West Ham would be the FA Cup semi-final, Villa Park. Mm. You setting up Marlon's goal you don't get enough of the credit, so I'm here to, today to say. <laughs> I think he what? does. I think he does. <laughs> In my own head, anyway. Um, it, I, I, you know, for me, again, you you grow up as a kid and you watch the FA Cup and you watch the semi-finals in Villa Park is iconic mm. for me for that. So for it to be there, I thought was really special. The support was ridiculous. The game wasn't great. It was tense as it as it would be, and it was always going to take. Something and it was special from Marlon, especially with his left peg. Yeah, um, I think we were all surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a proper, you know, solid, important performance from the whole team. Defensively, very, very good. Um, obviously, we took our chance when we had it. Middlesbrough, a good team at the, at, at the time, but it's semi-finals just about winning, isn't it? I can't, I can't I can't imagine what that would a have felt like. A mistake I made uh, late on in that game. I remember they got a chance late on. You're up against Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, and it's sort of something's happened. I've got caught out of position. It's played to the right side of Middlesbrough's box and they should score. I don't know. I've watched it back. He should either cut it or should score. And I remember looking over to Pards and he was fuming with me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how different it could have been, you know? Oh my God. I mean, yeah, it was at the after the game, those scenes were what were incredible that's the last time I got in a communal bath that was there was a big old bath in yeah, there, yeah. At, at Villa Park at the time it was all in there a couple of bottles of champagne <laughs> did everyone get in the bath there was a few Absolutely, of us in there. Yeah. Sure. There's, a, there's, a, there's a picture somewhere of, the, of, of a load of us in the bath after. <laughs> I love the fact that we just won the, the FA Cup semi-final or going to Cardiff for me FA Cup final and the best thing I remember is the communal bath <laughs> <laughs> Also in that game at the end, I go up for a challenge with Mark Schwarzer and I broke his cheekbone as I went up and it was the World Cup oh, it was yeah. a World Cup summer as well. So he and he was waiting for me like after those celebrations, after the dressing what, room. What for to have a word? Yeah. Yeah. No. He was not happy. Furious. Oh yeah. Really? I just had to just oh, I didn't know take that. it because I'd gone up for the challenge genuinely to try and win the ball, but I'd obviously caught him. Broke his cheekbone and probably Did he put miss him out of the World Cup. I, I can't remember, but he was fuming. Took <laughs> well, a little bit of the gloss off the <laughs> celebration. Did you know he was waiting for you? Or was <laughs> no, didn't you have a clue, there? no. Oh, man. No. Oh, man. Um, this is the first time on Ironcast we're going to talk properly about the FA Cup final 2006. 
I'm actually, I don't have a problem with watching it back. It's not one of those games I look on, look back on with sadness because I'm just so proud of the team and everything. You know, we gave such a great account of ourselves and it's a bit tragic in the way we didn't win. We were so close. But, Dino, I wondered what were, what do you remember about the preparation for that game? Because you almost didn't start it, right? No, I, I almost didn't. And I'd been playing reasonably well and then I tweaked my hamstring at, at West Brom away, I think about three weeks before the final and thought that was it, my, my chance had gone and then did everything I could to get fit you know, oxygen chambers, every, you know, try to do everything I could to be, to be fit. And I trained, I think it was on the Tuesday or the Wednesday prior to the FA Cup final. But obviously in the meantime, as I said, with the talent that we had, Bobby Zamora had come in, done really, really well. Um, and I think Pards was just really struggling with that, with that decision and went down, looked beautiful place that we stayed in, in Cardiff and, I think he named the team the night before every single player except me or Bobby and just said, I need to sleep on it. I don't, oh, I, no. I can't decide who to play. I was like, thanks. Oh, but I was going to say, but that didn't help you, did it? <laughs> yeah, well, you meant to sleep. Yeah. Pars is sleeping fine, but Dino and Bobby <laughs> can't kip. Um, yeah, so to have that tenseness, I think the next morning was different. When you want to just put the suits and the, yeah. and the pictures and, and go to the game, it kind of, Definitely added a different dimension for me anyway, going to the game and still not quite sure whether I was going to play. When did you actually find out? At the ground? At the ground, yeah. I think I'd gone to the really? I'd gone to see my, my family in the stand and said I wasn't I wasn't still sure and then went back in and we found we found out. And I mean for me it was you can talk about the European Cup, but when I grew up it it was the, the FA, FA Cup, Cup was the big that was the big day. You know, you wake up early and watch it all as a kid, and that was the that was you know, a massive showpiece final. So to be involved, I, f I felt so bad for Bobby because he was such a, a top lad and he deserved to play just as much as me. But it is a selfish game and I it was my chance. Do you and, think and that I helped that you not knowing? Was you nervous before games? Do you think that would have helped? Going I think into it such probably, yeah, I think it probably did because I just didn't. You, you didn't think, have time you, to get you, you, Well, and you sort of think the work, you think you're not going to play rather than you definitely, you are, you mm. definitely are going to play. So then there wasn't that much time to think about the actual game because it was, I know, an hour and a half away. Yeah. But then you do play 28 minutes. Well, Jamie Carragher scores an own goal. And then on 28 minutes, there you go, Dino. Yeah. Scoring in an FA Cup final. Oh, yeah. How Scruffy, did... wasn't it? Scruffy. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> how, did it, how did it feel to go 2 0 up 28 minutes in? It it was, yeah, it, it was, it was mad. And, and, you know, I think about that goal, and you're right; it was scruffy, but it's, it epitomizes what it what it is like as a young player. Every single time, follow in, follow, you're just mm. getting told all the time when you don't follow in, follow in, follow in, and then you do in the biggest game of your life, and it and it pays off because it's spilt and you score, and you don't care. And and, it, and that is the picture of me celebrating that. It's the only picture I have in my house of me playing, because oh, as a forward you practice celebrating or you think about it. You know, you think what you're going to do. You might have a routine. You might have a set celebration that you might have. But that's just a genuine, pure emotion, pure emotion of this is the FA Cup final. We are 2-0 up against the current European champions. And I've just scored. That picture is on my, is the only one in my house because it's a genuine emotion. I'm trying to remember what your celebration was. You're not just going to the corner and just fall over. 
on your knees? Uh, no, 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 that was Man, that was Man City. City. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that yeah, was one of those. That's, that's how I haven't got anything. That, no, that's that, definitely <laughs> not a fault with the answer. <laughs> no, no, that's a pre that's a pre-routine that didn't that didn't, didn't work. Didn't go to play. The, the FA Cup. I think I just wheeled away with my both my hands in the air and then uh, Conch was the first person I think that that came over. But it's all a bit of a blur because it's I mean, atmosphere as well. Mm. Oh man. Unbelievable in that stadium. Yeah, I was there. It was incredible. There's so many sliding doors moments in that game. What what are the ones you think about? I think about Gibral Cisse has no right to be scoring. That is not that good. <laughs> like <laughs> um the 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 second goal the Liverpool the equalizer the Liverpool score kind of fine. The Ger the, the Scaloni Gerard, the head I, I think Marlon the missing Cisse, the, chance. the Cisse goal, the time they scored. I think if we go in just before half time, wasn't it? I think if we go in at halftime, 2-0 up, I think it might have been a different outcome. Do you think? It's just it's just one of those things. There's a player and momentum and stuff like that going in. If you're 2-0 up, you know, they've just scored at half time. It's probably a different, slightly different conversation. I think that was I think that was a big moment in the game. Do you know what you just mentioned that Liverpool European champions at the time? It just it'd been a year since Istanbul. I wondered, was it on our minds? Do you think it was on a, was it on the players' minds like they're comeback kings? when it really matters or did it not even I don't think I just think they were an unbelievable team that's more what what mattered is that you look you go across their team and they had just quality throughout it and because they 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 were current European champions you know they've got the mindset to to get over the line in such a big game but I think as players I don't know what Ginge thinks but you are quite selfish in the way you think. So I don't necessarily think about those other things you just talked about. I think about the really small things to do with myself. So my job was to get close to Xavi Alonso when they had the ball. And Xavi Alonso had dropped into a more forward position and Gerard dropped into that position. And that was my job to then get across to him before he plays the pass to Cissé. But I'm just too tired at the end of that half to, to properly get there. So when I watch it back, I think you just you should have just could you have made that F? And then I get beat for Peter Crouch comes over the top of me to head it down for Gerard to score. And you think those moments where I maybe could have done I think something as players, to always, it. like nobody else would notice that. No, exactly. Yourself, though, yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as a player, that's the sort of things. And I think all players, I obviously know a lot of boys. I think we are the biggest, our own biggest critics, if you like. You mm. know, this stuff that fans wouldn't see but when you watch it back so you went back and watched match today or whatever you pick up little things and went oh if I'd done this if I'd done that but that's I think that's just the the mind of a footballer yeah and now uh, Lionel Scaloni has won the World Cup for Argentina mm. so still feel sick when I hear that name <laughs> do you watch Argentina win the World Cup and think that's the same Lionel Scaloni who's given the ball to Gerard in the FA Cup final the funny thing is he is the person that fans want to talk about yeah. with that when when you talk about the final that is what they talk about is that he cleared it or didn't clear it but he didn't clear it straight to Gerard. No, he cleared no, it no. then they played it in played then it, it was in, headed it was out down, and it? then Gerard has done something that he's only no hit it because he can't move yeah he said in his book he was just did he say so, in his book he said in his book he's so they were all tired getting cramped, weren't they late doors Carroll had gone down stevie g had gone down and i generally think he's took a touch and yeah he getting he's, got and tired. Left. He's, he's got, got nothing left he's hit and that's probably because Nobody, Shaka wasn't expecting the shot. That's probably why it's gone in because yeah. he's just hit it. It's just the most ridiculous goal when you yeah. watch it back. Yeah. It's just, and he was a special player. And so sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and go, mm. it's one of those things. Make sure you're a part of our new European journey. Limited tickets are remaining for our UEFA Europa League match with Olympiacos. 
Adult tickets start at just £35, with kids starting at £15. To buy, head to eticketing.co.uk forward slash WHUFC. So, I mean, now we get to summer of 2006, you get called up for England, and this is when the injury happens, 22 years of age. And it, like I say, it's mad how much has happened in your career. And I kind of forgot how young you were yeah, when me this happened. Yeah. And so you spend the following, so you don't play again the, sec- the second season. And again, so many sliding doors moments. We were talking about, you know, if you're playing for England, do England make you Euro 2008? And if you're still in this West Ham team, do we even get Tevez? Do we have the great escape? So many, so much could could be different. But mm. I wondered how was it, what was it like for you that having to sit on the sidelines watching the great escape that's 2006-7 season after the FA Cup um excruciating to be honest it's it's every player's worst nightmare is having to sit in the physio room and look out the window at your teammates training have that little influx at about half nine where the players all come in to get their strappings done and you hear the you know the 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 jokes and taking them you know taking the mickey out of people and those sort of, and then they disappear and it goes silent again for the next two hours. It's just excruciating mm. every day. And if you then repeat that for 13, 14 months, it's very, very difficult. And you, you know, of course the fans are great with you, but obviously the first thing they ask you is, when are you back? Mm. When are you back? And you've got to deal with that knowing I'm not going to be back anytime soon. And you've just got to watch the team knowing you can't, knowing you can't mm. affect it. Try and be as positive as you can, even though inside you're you're crushed. It's just it's such a difficult place to be. And did you um, find it quite lonely? It's quite a lonely time. I, I did my knee and was out for twelve months, but did you find it quite a lonely time? Yeah, I did. You, you and, almost and feel like you've forgotten about it a bit. Didn't absolutely, you? It, it, yeah. You know, in the manager's eyes, if you're not fit, you're sort of yeah. You know where you sort of. It made doing me realise just how all the focus is on the next game, and if you are just not part of that, then you know, it's you're kind of an irrelevance in, in in just a really ruthless football way. I'm not saying that people didn't and the manager didn't come and speak to me, but in those moments where you where you're into, especially with the way the club was and struggling, everything was pretty tense. And you are just unless you're involved, you you just kind of forgotten about. And also players players are great, but also you're in a situation that they all don't want to be in. So it's not like they are desperate to come in and sit with you for half yeah, an hour yeah. because it's the physio room is a place where you, you don't want to be in there. So you have to just, I think, go inwardly with the other injured players and the physios and just get your head down on focusing on on trying to get back. Yeah. What was what was the original injury and what was the what did rehab look like? What were you having to so, do? So obviously the, I Broke my ankle the day before I was meant to make my England debut, which was at Old Trafford. And when it happened, I just remember obviously an excruciating pain, shouting out, thinking, that's my England chance gone. You know, when you get a moment like that, you think that's my England chance gone. Nothing, oh, this is my career ended. Nothing like that. Just this is my England chance gone. And I held it together until I got into the, the dressing room at Old Trafford. And then I was just uncontrollable in terms of, upset because I thought this chance had gone. Was it on the, Old Trafford, with the pitch at Old Trafford? At, at Old Trafford, yeah. Wow. And, you know, you got the thought of that you've just done all the pre-season. You're so excited to start the, the season with West Ham. You're about to make your England debut and you break your ankle. That was all a bit too much for me 
in that dressing room. But then you sort of think, oh, well, I broke my ankle. Okay, what what are the realities? Well, probably three, four months, I could be back before Christmas, maybe, or around Christmas time. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. But then I was just, the way I broke my ankle was quite unique and it just did so much damage within the joint. Once that reality started to kick in after the first op and a few months down the line, then it was like, oh, it's not, it's definitely not going to be three or four months. This is going to be a, a proper long-term project because of the damage. Were you told after, were you it. told instantly how bad it was? No, you, no. You know, as in like after the first op, did someone sit you down and say like, this isn't as quite as straightforward as what we think it is? Or no, it I just... mean, they felt as if they could operate and put it back into a place. And then it, I guess it's then your own body and how that's going to react mm. and, and not to go into the, the deep detail of it but it's where how much scar tissue you get i'm very you know in terms of my joints and muscle i'm quite a stiff player so it's not like i had supple joints anyway so then to get movement back in a joint that's already quite quite stiff was a real that was the real challenge it, it was getting that movement back and it never really did get back but i got <laughs> back to a level that that was enough to get me playing again yeah so over that that two thousand six seven season, were you going to games? Like, were you still coming to Upton Park? I, I did to start with, and then I couldn't. So yeah. I, I to start with, I was all all for it and support yeah. the team, and then it just became, and again, it's not the fans' fault, but to to go and then have thousands of people say, "When are you back?" When I, I was finding that a bit difficult to then go home and be quite down about it, and when you got to try and be positive about getting fit. So I stopped going. I felt bad about that because I wasn't even part of that, the great escape, because I was not there and I, I hadn't gone to games and I wasn't at Old Trafford and I just watched it. I was obviously absolutely delighted for all the players and the, and the club, but I just felt I had to get myself away to deal with it myself. It was the only way I was going to be able to cope, mm. I think, to get back Mentally and be in the right... Yeah, like yeah. Mentally to be in the right frame of mind to then hopefully start that next that next pre-season. Yeah, and you did. You, you came back. So when, at what point did you know you were close? Was it towards the end of that 06, 07 season? Did you have a, a yeah. fixed timeline at a certain point? Yeah, so um, I, I'd i been on the grass at that point. I'd done quite a bit of running and, and the running was leading up to pre-season. So I was then super fit, ready for the pre-season and started that pre-season and felt quite, felt quite good. But I think... I think with any player that gets a really big injury, I think it's hard to understand that it's it probably takes something from everybody, mm. like an aspect. So for me, because my ankle was so stiff, talked about me having a great ability with both feet, I then could not strike the ball with my left, as in I couldn't flex my ankle to strike it with my laces anymore. So I had to curl every shot with my left. I couldn't strike it because it just wasn't it wasn't supple enough to do that and you have a favored leg that you jump off yeah. as a player and I felt like I was really good in the air because of that leap and that was my left so I then couldn't jump off my left anymore because I just didn't have the the power and the flexibility in my ankle so I had to jump two footed so I was constantly fighting with the defenders so those again are things that you're trying to deal with behind the scenes even though you're back and you're playing you think I'm not quite the same, and I've got to try and adapt. Nobody else knows that apart no. from you as well. No, you, no, you're not exactly. going to go to the manager. I'm, I'm, I'm not the same. You know? No, yeah. no, you're, yeah, not. you're certainly not. Yeah, and like mentally, that must be yeah, really yeah. But tough I was to deal just with. so 
so pleased to be back mm. yeah. in, in training. I can't believe we've sat down here and I said, that 2007-2008 season, you were top scorer and you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> you not only did you come I, back, you were our best striker. You scored the most goals. I, I, But I, I know that in my head, I felt like I didn't start as many games as I maybe thought in my head I, sh- I should have done. But then again, I was coming back from a big injury. The team was changing under a new manager. The style, sometimes playing with one up front, things were were different but in my head I feel like I didn't play that much but I obviously I still scored 12 goals <laughs> well you said the Curbs didn't fancy you at first that you had to kind of really work your way into the team yeah I did yeah and and he said as much in terms of I think from what he wanted from from a centre forward was and I, I wasn't great at this and I think I'd have struggled now in a team that plays one up is that I didn't want to I didn't want to run the channels it wasn't my strength <laughs> I wasn't someone that necessarily ran in behind. My game was mainly back to goal or on the side in that just off the front type. Um, that was me more so. And I think he wanted the players that were going to stretch the pitch a bit more and give defenders a bit more of a, a headache going towards their own goal. And so it took me a while. And, and I don't think he felt like I was quite right because I still had a tiny bit of a limp when I was running. I, did, I don't think I looked smooth Especially when I was tiring, I think I looked like I had a bit of a, a limp, mm. but that was just, that was gradually getting better as my ankle was getting better. Yeah. And you scored one of the best goals of your career away at Old Trafford that season, I think it was. Yeah. Overhead kick and the stretch yeah. of the end. Yeah. I mean, special. worldy. Yeah, special. <laughs> best goal, got to be, in it? Has to be, yeah. 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 I think to do it at Old Trafford yeah. um, in a setting like that against a team, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson team with the players that they had, at the time and I, I there was a lot of people in the in the stadium that I knew from school because it wasn't that far from where I grew up um yeah that was that was special it was we were three nil down at the time so when you look at my celebration it, it was a bit of a, a bit muted mm, yeah I really <laughs> want to go mad here but I can't because I mean they had Rooney oh, Ronaldo ridiculous. and Tevez yeah, as their absurd. front three it was that's such a good team but yeah, yeah, something I can look back on, definitely. The only goal that comes close, we mentioned at the start, was the Mark Noble testimonial folly. Was that no red kick or is it more sideways? <laughs> no, it's all red kick, wasn't it? Sideways. Side. I'm trying to remember it back. It's been a while. It's a full-blown overhead <laughs> kick, worldy. What's great as well is you've brought in your shirt you wore that day and it's yeah. got, still got a bit of mud on it, which is great to see. <laughs> Love that. Um, but So the next season, Gianfranco Zola, and is it right the injury reoccurred in his first training session? Mm. Yeah, so basically with the way my ankle had broken and the damage that was done to the surface, it meant, unbeknown to me, during that season, um, I'd obviously chipped a bit of tiny bit of bone off at some point. And so in that first training session, it had just obviously, that tiny fragment had got right in between the joint and just seized seized up in his first up to that point, I had actually fell. I think I'd started with two goals against Wigan on the opening yeah, day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then I was, it, I was fine in every aspect of the game, other than if I had to go back to defend a corner and you do like a stride from the centre forward position back to your own box, I thought that doesn't feel that just doesn't feel right. It feels a bit strange when I was doing that particular run. And the same then when I'd then run back up. Just ready a to jog. It was almost like a yeah. It was like a, a half stride. Half stride yeah. I thought that just doesn't feel right. But and that was during the Wigan game. That was during the Wigan game, and then during the next, I think I played another six games. 
And I just kept feeling that. And then obviously in that training session, then it got caught. And, that, and that's what it was. It was obviously when, when I did that run, it was, it was possibly getting close to the join, mm. that little fragment. So then once I did that, I just thought so typical when it's first session of a new, of a new manager. And again, I didn't think at that point it was the end. I just knew that it meant another operation and it would be a big, it would be a big setback. So what what was the approach after that? Try and get the fragment out? Yeah, you just go straight in, have an operation to to take that out and clean it all out and then start the rehab process, which again and, is... And then the, what was the time scale on that second op? Can you remember? I think it was only four weeks, I think, because it's just a, it's just it's a, a clear, clear out and it yeah. should be... Um, but it just, that was then to be a recurring theme of these fragments just chipping off because there just wasn't any, there was no cartilage there. Like I had a massively arthritic ankle at that point, so and it was just bone on bone, and every time you're, it, I guess so, I guess so, yeah, yeah. And what you mentioned, um, when, when did you know it was the end? Was there one particular training session where it was clear this isn't going to work? I think I, I'd obviously had another couple of operations to remove fragments, and then I definitely had a period where I thought oh, it feels better. Like it genuinely feels like I could be getting back. And then I I did get back and was out and, and had run on the grass and done everything I should do, ready to leading up to, uh, to try and train. Maybe not 100%, but I thought I've, I've done enough running to want to join in with the with the team. And it's like a bonus as well. It's like yeah. to be able to go out with the players and, and start a training session. And then we just normally have a jog around the pitch on the um before we then actually start the proper warm-up where the lads will have a chat and just even walk running round, I could hear this click, oh, clicking boy. noise. And I know Kieran Dyer was like, is that I remember it. Is that your new boots? I was like, no, yeah. that's my that's ankle. I remember that conversation about yeah. like, you thought you'd had new put your boots on, new <laughs> yeah. boots and they were rubbing and it it was Dino's ankle. Yeah. In, the, so in that just, session. It was just yeah. clicking. And then I and then I just I then couldn't start even start the warm-up. And then that was when that was when I knew that this was the and I got quite upset, but Scott Parker, <laughs> Scott Parker came over and went, Dino, not here, not here, come on. <laughs> I should remember. Why, why does it Scott Parker say not here? It doesn't. I, I think, I think he's he was trying to protect me. Yeah, he was yeah. trying to protect me. And I don't know if the, if if the session was being filmed or or what, yeah. but I think um, yeah, he just sort of. But yeah, at that point, you just know that it's not probably going to be. Do you remember the right. afternoon after that, the, the days after that? Did you know, did you did you think that you knew that was it? Well, I, I think the the days after that is I've, I know I've got to have another operation mm. straight away. If it, you know if I'm going to carry on, it's going to be another operation, back to square one, back to that the starting point again, which is just once you know it's it's going to yeah. happen again, that is the dread of of the rehab. So yeah, it was with the, with the retirement side of it. In the end, it was such a relief to retire. I can't I tell can you. imagine that. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're 25 years old and you can't get up in the morning and just walk downstairs, it takes you 20 minutes to get from your bed downstairs because you've got to let the ankle kind of loosen to a point where you can walk properly down the stairs. And you can't go to the shops with your family. You have to sit down after 10 minutes and let them carry on. And then they come back to you and then you can do another 10 minutes. You think I'm 25 years old and I can't do the simple things as your kids are starting to grow up. 
how am I going to then go and in the garden and play rest of your life? Yeah. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? I can't do these small things. It became a relief to think finally I don't have to have another. Did you have, make have the decision? Did you, did you did you call it a day or were you advised? Or no, I'd have, you... I'd have I'd have I'd have you know I'd have tried to go through it again and yeah. had the operation again. But a surgeon in in Holland was like, if you want a reasonable life going forward for the rest of your life to to be able to walk properly and and have some time with your kids he said now is probably the time you have to make that to make that decision and that was probably the best thing that someone gave you that real reality check of what was going to happen if you thought you could carry on yeah it's a mad i was thinking earlier there's not many players of your generation who went through something like that i can't think of many players that were as big a name as you that had to retire young. You're the only one I can really think of. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there. Is, I'm sure there is yeah. a few that that had that potential um, and had it sort of snatched away. But it was it was it was obviously very difficult. I'm just very very unfortunate that it happened to be me and at that time. But then again, I've got to look at how fortunate I was that I actually got to, I actually got to do it and yeah. scored an FA Cup final exactly and got to experience the things I did because well, I started young. It, did you struggle after it, Dino? I had a bit of a personal question. How was it after that? You know, the next year, year and a half, two years? Oh, yeah. Was it mind-numbingly difficult? Yeah, I can imagine. Just where do you start? I mean, where do I start in terms of how hard it is? It's it's sort of, I mean, you know how hard it is anyway, the sacrifice you have to make to be a player. But again, what maybe people forget is it's our dream. Like this is, it's not mm. a job. It's, this is just, how is this our life that we get to just have our dream to play in front of this amount of people every week, with the support that you get, the accolades that come with it, the lifestyle, it's everything you dream about. And when you just get there and then it's taken away, Snatched. it's really, really difficult to difficult to handle. And I think because of the injury side of it and and the pain I was in at the time, that was that was the relief. But I think there's lots of things that maybe people don't maybe realize is when you when you retire is i felt really guilty i felt really guilty for other people so i felt really guilty for my family that i wasn't gonna be able to continue and maybe give them the life that i thought i was gonna mm -hmm. do i felt really guilty for my grandparents who came every weekend or every away game that was their that was their weekend that they would come and watch me watch and i couldn't give them that anymore that was that was finished for them and and things like when you financially obviously doing well, you look after your family. So you might mm. retire your parents. You might buy a property for someone within your family. And all of a sudden you're having to change those things. I think people don't maybe, and, and you earn great money. So, you, you know, you, you have that, of course. But I felt really, I just felt really guilty for all these people. Wow. Even though it was me who was having to go through it, ultimately, I just felt I felt quite guilty. I felt quite guilty for the supporters, for the for the club that had paid big money for me, and I couldn't repay that. For the supporters that wanted to see me, and I couldn't then fulfill fulfill that. So I had quite a bit of guilt, and, and then you have the bitterness of, and I think it's normal, absolutely yeah. normal, to be bitter. Why is it me? Mm. Why why has that player got to have a a full? Um, career why why is it me that's missing out and I think they're all normal feelings to have but they're feelings you have to you have to deal with and they only only over time do you kind of get over that but I'm really really good at 
keeping a check with reality in that, you know, football is a fantasy. It's not real. It's just not real. The whole <laughs> lifestyle is just obscenely great. And it's just not real. Real life is with your family, the 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 things that you can enjoy at home, um, holidays. Though that that's the actual reality. Football is just a fantasy, and I've tried to always mm. keep the two separate. Is it's it incredible. is it easier now to look back because you're at an age where you would have retired had you had a, a longer career, and you're left with amazing memories and the love from West Ham fans. Is it? Do you find it easier these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I'm so fortunate to have another career that I absolutely love. And still to be part of football, because that love obviously dwined quite a bit after after having to retire. But that's obviously back again, and I love the sport and love being involved. Very fortunate to have another career that involves that involves football. And yeah, over, as you get older, you sort of it was never going to last forever. Anyway, you were going to have to retire at some point. And I had, and when you look, I had you know sort of nine great years of playing where there's friends that never got that opportunity. So. It's really nice now to look back and be proud of the, the times you played, the big days you had, teams you were in, people you got to meet. They're, that's that's great then when you can look back on it all. Yeah. You created memories that will last forever. Like West Ham mm. fans will never forget the way you made them feel. And that's, mm. that's a special thing. I want to I want to end on some quick fire questions. Okay. Yeah. Don't want you to think Everyone about Everyone always looks everyone, a bit nervous about this. Don't want you to calm down. We're going to lift the mood. <laughs> Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, yeah, it does. I have was a just certain... totally engrossed in it. Yeah, <laughs> I've totally never really spoken to you about it, you know. And, it, no, and yeah. you know, it's not a. It's obviously not an easy thing to speak about, you know. Mm. And it's, it's it's fascinating to listen to what you had to go through personally, you know, on on your own, I suppose, as well. A, a lot of the time, it's 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 an incredible, it's an incredible thing, sad thing that happens to you, but the way you've dealt with it is mm. is incredible. It really is. Yeah. Also, like the things you were saying about you kind of forget you're denationing the footballer to a lot of people, but being able to walk around with your kids and things like that, mm. and things, sacrifices that people don't even think about. Mm. It's a hell of a story. But back to the quick fire question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's get off. You're not getting now. away with them. No. Uh, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Just the first name that comes out that comes out of your head. Okay. Funniest ex teammate. Funniest ex Bobby Zamora, I just sit back straight in. off the bat. Man. I would no, no, sit, didn't even think I would think sit about back it. in the dressing room and just listen and laugh. <laughs> so, so funny. <laughs> he's relentless, isn't he? Yeah. Like, brilliant. I can imagine he's not afraid to take the Mickey out of still you. exactly the same now as well. <laughs> do you do much punditry with Bobby? I don't actually know. No, uh, no. I'm really I, I hate the fact that we had to be like rivals yeah. almost in a way for the same position. I just I just sit back and listen to him in the dressing room. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, worst timekeeping of someone at West Ham that you played with? Ooh, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. Well, I know my answer, but I can't work out if you played with Carton Cole, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. did you? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, of course. Surely everyone that's in that squad. No, it's not. It's not, not very difficult it? when you actually think about Coley. it. Yeah, yeah, Coley. Uh, favorite film? Man on Fire. I watched it actually. Two nights ago. Oh, Denzel. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Unbelievable. Classic. Unbelievable. Uh, best manager across your career? I loved Alan Pardew. The most attacking manager <laughs> ever. And, ever. And, <laughs> ever. And got the balance on the pitch, Spot on, off the it? pitch. Just, I loved it. Yeah. Final question. Best memory in a West Ham shirt? I'm actually going to say the Mark Noble testimonial 
I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say that because for for a number of reasons. One, the whole it, it was still at Upton Park. Secondly, it was in front of a whole stadium full of West Ham fans. It gave me a chance because I hadn't really to sort of not say goodbye, but just sort of a uh, don't forget me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to do it on a day for Nobs, who's such a top mm. top fella and top player, and the goal. Was, and, and the goal. And, and you haven't even mentioned the goal. And the goal. I know, yeah. I've actually got, I'll, I'll quickly tell this. But the, the night before, I was in Centre Parks with friends in Nottingham. I had a really bad back, a little bit too much to drink. And I'd said to, <laughs> and I'd said to, uh, said to my wife, I said, because my back was really sore, I said, ah, I could really do without this. I really, I, I'm going to get there. I'm going to be on the bench. <laughs> They've got these new shirts. They're like really tight. I'm like, well, I'm not looking great. Like, I could do without it. She went, no, come on. It's, it's for Mark Noble. All the lads will be there. It'll be a fake. Oh, okay. Wake up the next morning. Go on, then we'll go. So we drive down. We get there a little bit late. I go in. I am on the bench, obviously, because <laughs> they're going to put Paolo and Bellamy and Teddy and all those guys on. I'm sort of sitting on there thinking, God's sake. I have to come on. I'm out of shape. I can't run. Anyway, I come on. The first thing I do, I don't really remember, someone crosses it in and I basically fall over and it hits me like on in the stomach <laughs> from, from, ab from about two yards out. And I'm thinking, this is why what I, am I doing here? This is why I didn't want to come. <laughs> and then obviously that happens, the goal and the noise. I, when phenomenal. I watch it back, the noise is different to any other goal I've ever scored. It's, a, it's such a unique noise, like a sort of shocked cheer a shock. <laughs> do, you, do you think because people have, might, might have been thinking i'm not saying it oh he's not maybe looking his best oh, no. how, how was he oh, actually no. just done that it was probably some kids saying to their parents who's that <laughs> who's that guy why's the kit man playing <laughs> <laughs> anyway the ball comes over and i think sod it go for I'll it i'll go yeah. for it because this could look stupid but sod it i'll go for it and it works and it happens and I just think my kids never got me got to see me play, so they just think if I tell them oh, I played with Ronaldo, I played against Ronaldo, and played with this player and that player, and they just laugh and go, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and they actually got to see got something to see and hear the crowd sing my name, and it's just it's just really special that day because of because of those little moments mm. that I that I got, and then to to have the amount of you know gifts and memes of just like. You know, when I'd hit the floor, you know, the amount of the amount of whales coming out of the water and hitting the was just the next day. A bit of an injustice, no, it's incredible. Even the commentator at the time, Peter Drury, says, I think he says something like, Well, that's given the uh, the Upton Park pitch the last ever heavy roller. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely opens you up. Dear. But I can tell that the way you're talking about it, like there's a smile yeah, on your face. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a great it memory. It is, yeah. I'm so, so glad I went. Oh, man. Incredible memories. And you saved the best to last. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Ironcast. What a man, Dean Ashton. Dean, oh, brilliant, mate. Pleasure. Brilliant. Sports Social Podcast Network.